two. We live. How you doing, Will? I'm good, man. Uh, it's been a crazy week, man. Uh, we just did the uh, Beats and Business Seminar this weekend, man, and uh, it was awesome. Absolutely. That was yeah. a great experience. Uh, for, for those of you that, that are listening now, this is the second podcast, but uh, Willpower does seminars called the Beats and Business Seminar across the country, and we had one in Atlanta a couple of years ago, a couple in Atlanta, I believe, and we did another one in Atlanta at SAE Institute yeah. here in Atlanta. Great yeah. facility. Yeah. A great turnout. Yeah, had, no, that uh, was awesome, man. Big Crit come through. <laughs> Big Crit. Uh, Mara Ruby came through. Absolutely. Uh, David Lopez, certified Ableton instructor, came through. Yeah, uh, we had uh, Laura Reed. Absolutely. A phenomenal singer out of uh, North Carolina and yeah. Nashville. She's yeah. kind of like a hybrid of both. Oh, uh, yeah, very talented. So we had a Grammy-nominated uh, mix engineer, Matt Hayes, came yeah, through. You absolutely. Know, so. Man, it was, it was awesome. You awesome, yeah. And some great testimonials. Be on the lookout for some of the videos we're going to drop to show, um, you know, the participants, how much they enjoyed it. We always tell you, you know, uh, this is a great thing, a great resource. Yep. And we're coming soon to places across the country. So be on the lookout if you get our newsletter, if you follow Willpower on social media. Stay yeah, it looks, stay like, uh, looks like, what is that? Looks like we're getting ready to head out to um, L.A., West Coast, West Coast, West man. Side. So we're going out there. We're gonna do the beats and business seminar out there, man. I need to get out to LA because right now, man, these uh, uh, allergies, man, got my <laughs> yeah, got me stopped up, man. All this pollen out here and yeah, all the green shit. stuff, man. Yeah, it's man. crazy down here in, in Atlanta. But yeah, um, so we had a good uh, a good week. You know, we hope you all enjoyed the the first podcast that we dropped. Um, great information, you know, in my opinion. I'm biased, but it's my opinion. But yeah, uh, we want to kind of pick up uh, the willpower story from from the first podcast. You know, we talked about how you got into music. You know, oh, your, yeah. your origins, which was dope to me, yeah. like real dope. Because uh, I learned some stuff I never even knew about you. Your origins, but one thing we didn't touch on that I want to touch on today that might be helpful to our listeners is okay. We know your history in music and how you got started, but how did you actually break through? To actually get in the game, in the like for real, for real, in the game. How did you actually get on? How did you get your break? So, I think we left off with you, you know, being up in Jersey. How did you, you know, when did you leave? How did that dissolve, and what happened? Um, really, man, I just I, as it wasn't working out for me the way I wanted it to. Okay, you know, I had a situation where I was in a publishing deal and mm-hmm. a few other things like that, and um. It just didn't work out for me. So I went back to South Carolina, man, and uh, started my own business. Right, know? not to interrupt you, I, I want to make sure, too, if, if this is your first episode you're listening to, uh, Willpower actually went up to, to New Jersey, New York, and the, with the late 90s, early early 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s, yep. With uh, Sugar Hill. Yeah, with uh, Sylvia Robinson, who right. is the uh, founder and owner of Sugar Hill Records. Okay. And, uh, you know, everybody's probably most familiar with the Sugar Hill Gang and the right. history of... You know, and their involvement in the history of hip hop and things of that nature. So, just wanted to make sure we, you know, put that out there so you can go back and listen to the first episode. But yeah. just to catch you up to speed, though, he uh, went up there and now he he picked up the story now. Yeah, man. So basically, I just went back home, man, and I, I got my hustle on down there, and um, I started a, a production company, you know, with my partner Tasha. Uh, Love Tasha. Yeah, and she, uh, you know, it was her idea to go and open up a studio you know so that's what we did man we basically went and got like a storage unit a 10 by 10 storage unit man and like uh we basically started producing beats out of it man and that was our first that was our first 
a dab into I remember U-Haul storage unit. Did y'all hear it out there? Yeah. U-Haul storage unit. <laughs> yeah, Crazy. It was, uh, they had these offices that they were offering people at the time, man. So basically, like, we rented one office space. It was a 10 by 10 room. Okay. And, um, man, we were so... You know, so green at it at the time. You know, we just stuck the microphone in the corner, okay. put a little padding up, and had a little bush behind it and stuff just to kind of kill the mm-hmm. bounce in the in the room. But um, but it worked, you know. And uh, our, our first client ended up spending like four grand with us nice. just to write songs for him. And that was when we realized, you know, that let yo like we could really make a you know um, a valuable business out of this. Mm-hmm. And so it went from that on into like more clients coming and then I ended up purchasing like a room next to the one I had so now I had two office spaces nice. and mind you the crazy thing about it was um the the rooms the electricity in the rooms was on timers so we would rig the timer we would stick something in yeah, yeah. It, you have to Turn a knob, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had to turn a knob. <laughs> and it ticks and kind of Exactly, constant. yeah. Like, it gives you two hours. That was it. So, man, we had figured that out, and, like, we would just kind of nudge something in it so it wouldn't move, and the lights would stay on all day. Right, you don't want to be in the middle of a ver- middle of a session and right. the power go out. <laughs> exactly, man. And then, well, well, the power didn't really go out, just the lights and the okay. air conditioning and oh, the heat. They you. were all okay. on timers. So, but the electricity was still, you know, still good. Okay, so, got it. Um. But the funny thing about it was just, you know, over time, man, you know, we just, we managed to, like, parlay that into a full-service business because at the time, this was a new thing for U-Haul. So, guess what? They hadn't fully figured out (laughs) what the cost on it would be. Right. You know, they were thinking people were just going to stop in. Pick up stuff, leave. right? Pick up stuff, leave. You know, not really run a business out of it. And, like... Bro, when I tell you, I think we were getting this building for like 70, 80 bucks a month for the Crazy. room. Yeah. But now, like, if you go try to get one, I think they're like three, 400 bucks. And I know for a fact that, like, Willpower personally <laughs> is one of the reasons why that rent went up. Because Crazy. I think they realized that people might use the spaces mm-hmm. for more time, you know, right. than what they intended. Um, but yeah, man, so we did that and. um, you know, I just kind of did it for a while, and then we ended up um, deciding to take it to Atlanta. Right. Now, what, what went into that decision? Why leave Columbia, South Carolina, and go um, to Atlanta? I just, I had a great time in Columbia. Like, I, I I opened my business, and I started selling beats for close to 300 bucks, I think it was, man. And when we did our taxes in that first year, we made, like, $80. Like, I nice. remember this vividly how much money we made that year. Nice. Which was crazy because that's a lot of beats at 300 bucks. You know what I mean? And we did package deals and things mm-hmm. of that nature. We got into like videography. We got into like, um, you know, um, like graphic design and things like that. So we were like full service. For, so you were hustling. Yeah, we were hustling, man. Full service for like independent artists. But So I hope if you're listening out there, you're trying to come up, you have to hustle. You have to hustle, man. And like, you know, it's like as you can see, like it started out just selling beats, but... The packages were better if you got beats and a graphic design from me, or right. your, your, it was better if you let me do your video and yada mm-hmm. yada. That kind of parlayed into like showcases. Showcases parlayed into like a, a independent TV show we have for independent artists. Nice. And so, essentially, man, you know, the one thing that we learned about it was uh, repeat customers was a hard thing to kind of come okay. up with on. When you're in a small community that's not music based, and okay. it's, you know, um, because the artists 
you know, most artists haven't thought past the fact that, like, once you do your project and it's okay that you got to keep doing projects in order to stay relevant. Right, and build a fan You're not going to get rich and make a bunch of money coming right out the gate. They don't normally think about all that. So <clears throat> if an artist would come and spend, say, three grand with me to do his project, you know, more than likely it'll be two years before they come back and do another three grand with you. You know, and yeah. so that was an issue because it was like, you know, once you do a project, that's it. You right. know, so the, the turnaround on it was kind of slow. And just from a business standpoint, we just felt like, listen, there's more going on in Atlanta. I think we need mm-hmm. to get out of here. So we did. Nice. Now, did you have any any history in Atlanta prior to just going? No, nah, I had never been. I, you know, I come to Atlanta for a party or pass through Atlanta because that's Atlanta. You know what okay. I mean? But I had never come down here. When I got here, I didn't know anybody. I had okay. like one or two friends from South Carolina that were out here. Okay. And um, basically, man, like what I did, I like uh, to backtrack a little bit. When I was talking about the TV show, I had a TV series that we were um, producing, and it was for independent artists. Okay. And basically, what we would do is we would, after producing a lot of their music, what we would do is create short EPK style music videos. Nice. And we created segments and we would present them on our TV show. So okay. we would go down to the local UPN station or WGN, whatever one it was at the mm-hmm. time, and we'd buy the time slot. We'd buy an hour. Nice. You know, and the way that we would buy it is we would charge the artists absolutely to shoot their video and put them on the show, but then we would take those those um, proceeds and go purchase the studio the, the TV time. Well, we weren't aware of how well it was going to go, man. And we ended up having like 30,000 views every Sunday in our hometown, which, you know, it's a small town. So it's like, you know, that's pretty good. Like Mm -hmm. that covered several counties. It covered like all kinds of anybody that had local TV, man, like was checking for this show every Sunday. Nice. Well, we had the bright idea of taking it to Atlanta because we knew that it was if we were doing that in a small town and nobody was doing it in Atlanta, mm-hmm. if we went there and did it, that we would we would we would be okay. And so it worked. We came to Atlanta. We went on and uh, I think my show was I'm sorry I think my show was 30 minutes at home okay. in Columbia. But when we got to Atlanta, we had a guy that wanted to help us do it, so he put up some money to help us do it, and then um, we ended up buying an hour long show in Atlanta. Nice. Man, and our viewership, man, we were doing like close to 300,000 viewers every weekend. It's crazy. So, yeah. It was awesome. That was pretty gross. Sorry, guys. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <clears throat> so, that was pretty awesome, man. And, like, that's how I ended up in Atlanta. Now, I didn't come here with my beat machine out ready to, like, hit up everybody trying to run around here doing production. Um, I was here doing a TV show and I was here doing showcases because we found that that's a quicker hustle for us. Okay. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And You know, uh, people were paying to get on the show. People were paying to be in the showcases. You know, everybody who's been in the music business long enough knows that the showcase hustle is something that's like always going to be around. They're always going to try oh, yeah. to come be a part I'm of it. I'm not going to say no names, but yeah, yeah. I did a little tours and stuff. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. It's all kind of it's stuff. It's a money man. grab. Yeah, it's a money grab, man. So, um, and that's okay because, you know, in some cases it, it it puts you in front of the right people. Yeah. Some cases you just went out and you just had a right. good night and had fun and met some folks. So My philosophy <clears> is as long as you know 
not to sidetrack, but as long as you know what you're getting into, and if you use it for your, for your benefit, fine, but just know. Yeah. <laughs> just know what it and is. know what it is, right. right. Like, don't, don't have too many uh, high expectations for things that uh, don't right. exist. So, Absolutely. Um, but yeah, man, so we did that, and that's how I kind of got in Atlanta and got to know people, because we were working with artists around town, man, who some of them are now popping, man. B.O.B. Nice. You know, Yellow Wolf. Yeah. Uh, there was a cat out of um, out of the Bay Area, Willie. Uh, I forget Willie the kid. Wi- uh, Willie Joe. Willie Joe. Okay. Yeah, he was really dope out okay. here, man. Uh, you know, and I, I mean, it's crazy because we were out here in the midst of all of that. You know, grip pliers, man. Like mm-hmm. everybody was out here doing it. You know what I'm saying? So nice. Um, it helped, man. And you know, and that's how we kind of got popping in the A, man. And um, my my. Uh, ability to move around with a camera is what got me in certain situations. Like I ended up working over at Grand Hustle, nice. and uh, you know, as a cameraman, just being a part, being there to document things and, nice. and working like that. And those relationships I still use to this day. Now, at, 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 after the point of me parlaying those hustles into yo, I'm really a record producer, y'all. Like I'm just trying to figure out how to make a living in Atlanta because I didn't know what to do when I got here. And, right. And, I've never been a job guy, so I always rely on my own hustle to make yeah. more money. So <clears throat> um, I think that's important for people who are up and coming. You know, they you do one thing really well, and you wonder wh- how come things ain't happening for you. Well, you need to just keep hustling. Yeah, know? yeah. You know, like I, I always, um, I always like to compare it to like if you ever want to get to like the big money. You got to go to school. You got to do... Like, if you think about it, the high-paying professional jobs require mm-hmm. somewhere between 8 and 10 years of school, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just go be a doctor and start operating on people. You right. got to go to school for 8 years and become a highly skilled professional to come yeah. out and your starting pay is $200,000. Right. And then you can be upward to millions to become the right doctor. No doubt. And the same goes for, you know, a dentist or mm-hmm. a lawyer. Mm-hmm. You know, those high-paying, high-skilled jobs where you have to really know what you're doing yeah. took time to study. So Absolutely. the same with production. Like, if you ever want to really become Timberland mm-hmm. or you want to become Dr. Dre that gets mm-hmm. paid the, the the 50 grand a track type guys or yeah. 100 grand a track, that's, that's five or ten years of, of studying and, and knowing the craft before... You know, so it's not really about a graduation piece of paper. It's about the skill set. It's right. about the repetition and the 10,000 hours that go into it that people talk about sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Dope. So, what was the, the actual big break? Getting back to your music production, you know? My actual big break was, again, it was with Yellow Wolf. Okay. Now, um, what happened was he... Um, he moved to Atlanta around the time that I did. I got here around 2005, and he had been here and left before, you know, but I think he eventually moved here. From around, Alabama. From Alabama, yeah, around like 2006. Now, did you all keep in contact between the days at Sugar Hill Records? Yeah, yeah, we did. We we worked a lot together, okay. but then there were periods of time where, like, you just, you know, life was going on. Right, we didn't right. keep in touch like that. Right. And then, uh, 
like I said, when we met in Atlanta, it was based off of the fact that like I had these showcases and he wanted to get on one of them. Right. So he jumped on it, and then okay. at that point, he realized that yo, I'm here, I'm producing. But I still wasn't in the music heavy, man. Like, okay. I was here in Atlanta just trying to be in Atlanta at first. Gotcha. You know what I mean? I always knew I had my trump card in the back going, hey, I'm still a producer. Right. But I was more being a, an observer of Atlanta and learning the, the the soundscape and the landscape. Nice. So I was really just trying to figure out what was up. Because you nice. can't just, you know, it's like, it's almost like some street stuff. You don't just show up on somebody's block yeah. and start, you know, participating. You have to... Make sure it's okay. You have to make sure you know what you're doing. You gotta know your way around. Yeah. So, and that, that's what I did. <clears throat> I just but, hope the people are listening. I get because I'm getting nuggets. Just me personally, me, yeah. Brian, Ira, I'm getting nuggets just <laughs> listening to this. That's I'm applying to my, myself. So I hope that you, know, you listening to this are, are putting pieces together for your own self because you're yeah. dropping some some nuggets right now. Well, that, that's how it works, you know. And, and Yella got here and he came here with uh, his new manager at the time. And um, they were out here just trying to get him on as a, as a rapper. You okay. know what I'm saying? And um, there was this amazing group of producers out here called Battery Five. Okay. They were really dope, man. And um, they've all gone on to do great things. You know, mm-hmm. I think one of the guys that was, like, managing them and producing with them is now, like, the uh, head coordinator of, like, CSAC. So people, okay. everybody, like, <clears throat> what's funny is everybody that I could speak about during my come up in Atlanta, they're all, like, popping in some form of fashion nice. at this point. Nice. <clears throat> Excuse me, y'all. It's these allergies, bro. <laughs> but, uh, so, um, so yeah, man, I, we separated, kind of went our own way, man, and he, he kind of hooked up with some new guys and was doing some things, man, and around 2007, he got signed to Columbia Records. So, okay. and the real cool thing about it was he was working on his album, I think it was nearly done, man, and I got, I got the homie phone call, man, around you know, the, the closing of the album. Mm-hmm. And then he said, uh, you know, I can't make you any promises, man, you know, but I, I will say this. If you get up here, I'll give you an opportunity to get on my album. Like, I'll make sure the people involved mm-hmm. get to hear what you have to offer and I'll co-sign it if it's dope. You okay. know what I'm saying? And so I took off, man. Went up there and met up with Yellow Up to New York? Up to New York. Okay. Yeah, he had, uh, he had got his deal and they were working on his album in New York. Gotcha. So, um, and so that's what I did, man. I went up there and I, I slept on the floor for a few days. And I literally, I went with no money. Mm-hmm. I was broke, man. I was broke as hell, bro. So it was like, gotcha. yo, when I got there, like, Yella actually paid for me to park my car for four days. So it was nice. like 100 bucks in parking. Of course, New York. Yeah. New York, you know. But he took care of that for me and I took care of the rest. You know okay. what I mean? So, yeah. um, and I played him a couple of records and I, you know, I ended up making an album and in that I met Jim Johnson. Nice. Just a lot of good things that started happening. You know nice. what I'm saying? So that was my first big break, man. And I had been producing music, man, for almost 10 years before that first placement. Yeah. And then that placement didn't happen. That's when I, that's, he got, he ended up, I don't think uh, Yella got dropped, but I think KP um, left um, Columbia Records. Gotcha. I don't know the circumstances of why he left, but I know that he left. Right. And when he the left. The person that signed him. Yeah, the person yeah. that signed Yellow Wolf. Which happens a lot. Well, uh, left the record label, and so uh, from loyalty, uh, Yellow left with him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand the business behind that, but it was probably pretty business-oriented as well because what a lot of people don't know is 
when an A&R signs you to a situation, they normally sign you to a point deal where they're, they're structured in your deal financially, which means if that A&R leaves the label and mm-hmm. you're still stuck at a label, the next A&R might not necessarily be structured into your label deal. So, it doesn't be, so they don't want to mess with They don't want to work for you. Yeah. And that's how a lot of times the concept of getting shelved and all of these different things, those terms actually have some backstories to them. So it's not always just they didn't like the artist or they thought he was whack or we yeah. didn't just like the stuff that artists like to tell you is not necessarily true. Sometimes it's just financially doesn't make sense for the new guy to come in and blow you up when there's nothing in it for him. And, you know, that's just the nature of the business. So nice. But to answer your question, like that was one of my first breaks, man, 2007. So nice. OK, so he gets dropped. Yeah, it gets dropped, man, and then um, that kind of took a beating on the whole team. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Everybody was, you know, pretty fired up about what was going on, but at the end of the day, you know, we had lost the deal, so, like, of course, the morale of the situation yeah. changed, you know. Uh, after about a year, life starts to kick back in again. You know, mm-hmm. you're coming off of the high, whatever, whatever it was. If there was any monies involved, the money's starting to dry up. Okay. So, you know, so Yellow Man, he, you know, he starts a band. He starts doing things. He's moving around the city again. Like, as an artist, I don't know anybody that hustled harder than him. He was always in the shows, always doing something. So, nice. So that was pretty dope. You know what I'm saying? And then... Uh, after a few years passed, you know, I think that he he decided he wanted to do a rap album. Okay. You know, I think him and his team had talked about it, and they were like, listen, man, you know, we tried to sell this rock concept that you have. We tried to sell this um, thrashing thing that you're on, and, like, the people just ain't ready for it. Nobody mm-hmm. wanted to bite. He had done several record label meetings, and it just didn't work out. Okay. So. It was like, let's get this rap album. Let's do it. You get this rap album done, and the rest of this is history. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it proved to be that. So um, from there, you know, he came to me and asked me to do Trump music. Nice. And that is when it all started. Once we finished Trump music, that's when it all took off. Nice. So Where did you record Trump music? Oh, uh, man, we ended up going down to uh, Alabama. Nice. To to his house. Nice. It's crazy how it went down. Yella and I are like um, lifetime friends. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like, he was kind of like, uh, what's the guy on um, Seinfeld that just busts in your house? Not the, Kramer. 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 Yeah, Kramer. like he Yella's like Kramer to me when he's around. Mm. You know what I'm saying? When we were coming up, you know, he'd show up whenever. You know, mm-hmm. he would never come to my front door. He always just jumped the little fence in the back. Nice. And walked up to the back door. Nice. So. Uh, he walked up one day, man, and was like, listen, man, we decided to do a, a rap album, man. I'd love to do it with you. Let's do it. You know, so at first I was like, nah. I was like, nah, man. I mean, I was like, I'm back on my grind. Right. You know, we dropped everything to do the music the last time, and like, I'm just back recovering from it, yada, mm-hmm. yada. I knew he was just recovering from it himself. Right, right. Um, but our friendship was kind of what made it happen. But nice. so we decided to do it, man. I packed up like my entire studio out of my house, threw it in the back of my truck, man, and drove down to Alabama. And it still wasn't working out the way I planned because my first time going down there, as soon as I get to, to uh, Gasden, Alabama, I hit up Yellow Wolf on the phone and he's talking to me for a few seconds, but his phone dies. Nice. Now, I've never been to his crib at this point. Not, okay. the, not the new crib that he had in Alabama. Right. So, 
Okay, I'm like, yo, what I do? Like, you know what I'm saying? So I wait around for about a couple hours, man, just waiting to see if he'll call me back. But it turns out later, as I found out days later, that the reason he didn't call me back was because he was on his job. He was doing um, landscaping mm-hmm. for a company, and he couldn't get away to charge his phone and make the call back. And he didn't know my number by heart because wow, you know we're all, on, uh, we're all on we're all on cell phones, right? So you know if you don't know the number, you don't know the number. But right. so anyway, man, I ended up going back home. I drove <laughs> all the way back to Atlanta. That's crazy. After driving all the way down there, yeah, just it's like to what, get two three hours. Yeah. yeah so I'm hot, man. I'm hot. I'm like, man, see this some bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't know that. It's, yeah, I didn't never knew yeah. this. Story either. So I get back, you know what I'm saying? I get back and man, and uh eventually, man, uh, I think he kind of felt a little bad about it and shame. So it, like his wife called me. It, he didn't, because he knows, like, from a family standpoint, like, you know what I'm saying? Nobody's gonna trip with the wife. It's like, right. you know. So, um, so she just was like, please come back, man. Like, uh, it was a mistake. Like, we just couldn't get in t- contact with you. And we didn't know where you were in Gaston. So right. we couldn't even, like, you, there's nothing we could do. Right. So, I, like, you man. know, I was like, all right, all man, right. whatever, man. So I, I went back, man. And then um, we hooked up the system, man, in, uh, in his back room. And um, at that time, his wife had gone out of town. And it was just me, Yella, and his kids. All three of them. Okay. <laughs> Working on trunk music. Okay. So um, the way it went down was um, it's crazy because the record is so well known for the fact that like it's really trunk music. There's a lot of eight oh eights in it and bass mm-hmm. and stuff. But man, we couldn't even hear none of that when we was doing the project because his daughter Dippy, uh, when we had taken a break at one point, she went into our studio and all, she turned up all the faders on my mixer. Uh-huh. And we didn't know, you know, we we taking a break, so we All didn't right. know she went in there and was playing around, man. Right. And when we came back in, man, and hit the play button on the CD on the uh, computer, yikes! We popped it, we popped the speakers, crazy. So we basically made a bass heavy record album. The headphones, not even the headphones, like the the, the tweeters still worked on the okay. speakers, but like we blew the the sub and the. That's crazy. We had no low frequency, in other words, right. so. That's the irony of it, man. And that's what I knew then when we got back to Atlanta and played it for his crew, KP and those guys. The way they responded to it and how crazy it was, I knew then it was fate. Whatever we were doing was working. So, and man, shoot, that was in October. Man, January, man, we had a a world-class, world-renowned mixtape hit the streets. Yeah, I remember hearing it. I heard heard, uh, Good To Go on Shade 45. Yeah. Was it 2009, I believe? Yeah, well, maybe 2010 was when it came out. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're right. January 1st. 2010 is when I heard Good To Go on Shade 45. Yeah. So, yeah, man. So, that was it, man. You know. Dope. So, you want to do a a beat break now, Will? Yeah, man. We might as well. Let's um, drop an exclusive on them real quick. Exactly.
for this week, for our uh, business, you know, business part, I want to talk about something that came up that, that we both saw that we thought was interesting and might have some relevance to up-and-coming producers. Now, our article dropped a couple weeks ago about um, Hudson Mohawk, uh, you know, collaborated with Kanye West a, a, yeah, a, a super, lot. Of, super dope. Super, super dope. Yeah. He, uh, the way the headlines all over the internet read, Hudson Mohawk threatens to leak Drake and Kanye songs. <laughs> you know, uh, he was pretty unhappy. I'm just reading some of the some of the tweets from uh, from his Twitter account from uh, March 11th, which is a few weeks ago. He says, uh, uh, "Man, so tired of making careers for people who take my work and add one hi hat and take all the credit. Dot dot dot. Exhausting shit." Wow. <laughs> Literally about to release zip of Kanye and Drake songs that I've got zero for. <laughs> Whoa. Well, man, I mean, that's not, that's pretty intense, man. Yeah, and I, I guess the whole notion comes from, you know, as a producer, you know, you want to get placements. And the placement is, you know, you, you getting production work on, on uh, artists' albums. Uh, you work with people and you don't get paid for it. Right. And uh, the songs may or may not come out, and if the songs come out, you're supposed to get paid for it. Yeah. And how does that work? Do you work with people without getting paid up front in hopes of uh, yeah, getting a, paid later? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned earlier um, in a conversation about working with Yellow Wolf, and he was signed to Columbia Records. He did an album that never came out. Yeah. You drove to New York, was broke, slept on the floor. You right. know, right. did you get paid for? You know, it, it was. I didn't. You know, man, now that I think about it, like yo, I'm sure there was some kind of budget involved. Like, did you? Yeah, man. But you know what? At the time, man, I wasn't thinking about that at all. You know what I mean? And I can, you know, I can relate to that. You know what I mean? Because man, like, listen, like the business, the I, at least in urban music, you know, I don't really know how they do things. You know, with rock music and bands and things of that nature. But I mm -hmm. tell you what, man, like with this, like it has gotten to a point now where like you could come in and do loads of work, put loads of time into it, man. And mm -hmm. like, there's no compensation for that. Like the only compensation that's going to happen for you crazy is if they pick the record. And, that, and to me, that's that's kind of crazy. That's insane, man. Now that you think, now that, you know, if you, <laughs> I kind of. I don't know, man. I don't know that I'm. A, I don't know that I'm against what Hudson might be on right there, man. Well, the, the thing is, producers uh, get producer fees. They get a producer fee, and they get a royalty. You know, which of course is deducted uh, after the whatever the business. Right, right. They, they, they deduct the fees after. Uh, you get the royalties after it goes over the amount you already been paid, but. And that's how the music industry is supposed to just work in general. Yeah, but you know what? Like, that's the thing. Like, the fee the fee is, um, it is an advance against your road. Right. So that's okay. You know what right. I'm saying? But that's my point. And, you know, I think that that's kind of been, that's, there's a lot of great area in that. Because I guess their concept is, if we don't use it and there's no royalties, then there's not, this is not an advance. So my thing is, you know, I think that they should honor those fees regardless you know and then if the record gets placed then charge it against my right. um, royalties but like for me it's like yo if i was good enough to get in here and and you know because there's a point in this where if i just play you a beat and you like the beat but you don't buy the beat that's mm -hmm. different right 
You know, but like if I came in and I helped you design what you're doing, I'm a part of the process. You know what I'm saying? You're actually putting me in the studio to create records with you. Mm -hmm. Like, well, I don't care if those records don't make the album. You should pay me for those records anyway. That's because what about that time that's lost now? You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's the part that I think is, is getting twisted because I do understand that if I send you a record per email, via email, that I produced at home on my own time, I, I can't very well charge you for that because you don't know when I did that record. You know, you don't know how long it took. It's almost kind of hard to put a... Uh, it's it's kind of hard to value that at that point. You know what I'm saying? If if I sent you an MP3 and you liked it and you want to use it on your album, you know what I'm saying? Or or it's being considered as one of the records on your album. Right. All right, but like... The moment you bring me out of my spot to come sit down with you and do this, man, I, I feel like the clock should be ticking, man. I think that anybody who does that should work. And and from what I, if I was to guess, I would say that Kanye's not that guy. He wants to have his producers there. Those people are probably a part of it. In fact, I've heard, I don't know this as a fact, but, you know, I've heard, you know, through uh, conversations that what they normally do is they do like uh, retreats and camps when they're working on albums of that caliber. So like they'll bring in, you know, 20 producers and 20 writers and they're all working in, within an environment to come up with the heat that they got, which is why it's, it's common to see six and seven valuable names or names of value on a project. Those, all those people should have been paid for their time. Like, yo, well, I'm here. Well, yeah, my man said he put one hi-hat in somebody else's take the credit. Yeah, see, now that's just some bullshit. Like, that's just pimping, man. Like, I don't know what that is. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, I, I've been blessed enough to to not not deal with that. Now, I have been in a situation before, man, where, like, you know, you know, the deal wouldn't happen or it ain't going to happen if dude ain't involved and dude wants this to be involved. He the plug. He the plug. Right. Sometimes you got to get a plug what they want. Now, right. that shouldn't call for entire production credit. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know about that. Like, that's, that's, that's sticky, man. Well, I had a friend years ago that produced for a major artist. It's actually a huge artist. It was his first album. And my guy did all the music for it, literally did, did all the music. Well, he was friends with another guy who was friends with the plug. So all three of their names had credited equally as the producer of the song on, on, the, on the album. And I remember my homie being so mad about it. Like, he flipping. Yeah. And I caught me, just a young guy, thinking sensibly, said, well, listen, man, at least you got something in the industry now. Like, be cool about it. Be diplomatic about it. Yeah. Even though you kind of got raped from the back yeah. <laughs> right here. That happened. <laughs> you know, it, take it on the chin yeah. and let's build from this. Yeah, no, I you mean, know? I mean, like, the, it, those are, uh, those are the moments where, you know, they can make or break you. You know what I'm saying? Now, some people, man, are hard-nosed and they don't, nah, I ain't going for that. Yeah. And then some people, man, are, like you said, are a little more diplomatic about it and understand that, it's the relationship that matters most. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I think it's all about how you play it, man. But I'm 100% against the the way people are, like, using record producers nowadays. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, the whole concept of being a beat maker, man, is if somebody calls you a beat maker, man, like, they are, in my opinion, 
completely intending on taking advantage of you. Absolutely. They're not going to treat you like a record producer. They're not going to pay you accordingly. Mm-hmm. And my during my initial um, inauguration into the business, I would like to say, you okay. know, like that's kind of what my situation was. It was like I didn't really get the respect of being like a record producer the way I wanted to. Right. You know, it's like I've been told, you know, you just you just program beats. No, I don't program beats, bro. Like I I know how to produce records. You know what I mean? And you might just have to take your time, you know, sometimes you got to build yourself up to that. That's my, my next question. Do you operate differently when you don't have leverage versus when you've got some experience and, and some records uh, under yeah, your belt? Yeah, you certainly do. I mean, like if you if you're more established and more respected then of course people are going to handle you differently you know what i mean if you're new and no one knows you and every move that you make has to come from a contact to connect or right. a plug you're not gonna get what you want all the time so you know you just have to be ready for that i don't i don't expect if if it wasn't hudson mohawk and let's say it was joe blow from around the corner mm-hmm. i would say differently than what i would have to say for hudson mohawk but it's like Come on, this is an established record producer who, even if he only had one great placement, you in here now. Like, it's kind of like once you get in the club, you should be able to have a certain level of respect and dignity approached, you know, in in doing business for you. You know, so, and like, even with myself, like, I don't have any, like, number one hit records or nothing like that right now. However... I do have nice discography. A nice discography, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Over forty something placements. Like that's um, you know, that's not a easy feat. Right. You know, and so there are times though when I walk in a room and nobody in the room knows who I am and so they try to handle me that way. But then I have right. to say, Well listen, man, like Bruh, I've done this. I've done like, that. Like I'm right. I'm I, I this this ain't my first rodeo. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So uh so it, and that's yeah. Uh, so cool. How does this work then? Because this is sort of what happens. You work on a project, the song didn't get placed, so you didn't get any fees or anything. Right. But then the artist wants to put it out on a mixtape. I am with that. You know what I mean? I'm not particular. Unless I want to be a part of a mixtape, Um, I don't agree with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to at least give me that option. Like, I have to agree with that in order for that to happen. But... Nah, there ain't no this record was just laying around, so we threw it out there. Right now, oh, is that different for up and coming? Like, are you are you speaking as willpower now versus would you have that same advice for up and coming producer to say maybe they might not get a look at all? So maybe yeah, no, being I, on a major man, artist mixtape might be a good look for them. Yeah, that's cool, man. But I still think that I think that in any situation, it's a it's a respect thing to at least give me the option of being able to make that decision for myself. Because I'm just not. I just well, don't, yeah. I mean, but if you got a cost, say, hey, hey, Joe Blow, your stuff and make the, make the album, but I'm gonna put it out in the mixtape. Right. That cool. Yeah, I, th- that that's what I expect. Give me that option. But right. see, I was under the impression you were saying that like the artists don't call you or nothing. All of a sudden, you look up your shits on. I mixtape. mean, I've heard that before. I've heard. I mean, yeah. Again, not getting into names. I, I, it was a public lawsuit where a, an established rapper that I listened to. Put out a mixtape with some unknown producer, sent yeah. the beat in. I guess didn't know about it. End up suing this artist. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure what happened with that. I mean, listen, you have that. Then you might have to deal with that because see, what people don't talk about no more anymore is uh, copyright infringement. Like no matter what, 
Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know how people say, oh, I got samples, so I put it on a mixtape. You can still be sued for that, bro. Of course, yeah. Like, that's not, you're not out of the clear. Right. Most people just ain't tripping because they've no taken, they, they're saying there's really no money being made. But right. see, I know better. There is money Preach still it, being Eric. made. Right. And, uh, and what that necessary. You do shows. You get, the moment you go book a show and you perform these records or, or you, you're able to add these records to your discography on your show, now somebody not somebody got cheated. Right. And that's just the bottom line of it. Like, you can't just, you know, you can't do that. You know what I mean? And and, and I think that if you're going to be put on a mixtape, there should be a certain level of... Uh, promotion provided for you Absolutely. as well like yeah. it needs to be a number of things that that make sense makes like sense. even if it's just let's say it's a major artist the major artist has has to speak about you in his interviews Absolutely. he has to mention that such and such from so such such and such from such and such place was a part of this you know what i'm saying willpower you know uh, help me produce this project or whatever mm-hmm. you know like I just think that, that that's the right thing to do you know and if they're not doing it it doesn't necessarily mean people try to do you wrong but right. you gotta at least give me the option you should give me that option yeah I think because from, from a free game perspective as far as you, I think you, you hit it on the head whatever you do whether you're a veteran uh, up and comer it has to make sense for you everything gotta make sense man like it's business at that point you know what I mean like there's the there's a very creative part of the music business but but trust me the line is fine when it comes to when it turns to business yeah because i don't know anybody man i don't know anybody right now in my life and i know a lot of people in music that are just sitting around doing music because they love it yeah you gotta love the music that's what gets you into it that's what drives you but let me tell you now man like the moment a record is talked about being released it is business now absolutely you feel me when you love something you sit at home and y'all just sit there around the fire right. and play music you don't right. trip about it but if it comes out and anybody's name is attached to it you understand what I'm saying yeah. anybody's recognized in it it's business now it ain't, yeah. it ain't that you know what I'm saying like yeah. and I, I think that uh it's tough though, you know, and a lot of people listening are up and comers trying to get in the game. I think it's tough because when you do speak up for yourself sometimes, if you're not savvy enough about it, you can be blackballed or you can, yeah. you know what, you know, so it's like a risk you take, but like you said, you got to step up for yourself and it has to make right. sense. Yeah, well, you know, blackball is what everyone make. You know what I'm saying? I personally feel like That's another, I will never, I, I will never let a, that be something that happens to me. Like, you might could get to a whole team of motherfuckers that don't like me. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? What, what, what my, my free game for people today would be build your fan base. And once you got fans, you got people who buy your music. You got people who support your music. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm a record producer, and I produce for artists. Those artists have fans. But... I take advantage of the fact that like I have to make fans out of those people for me as well. It doesn't I don't I don't badmouth artists, I don't go behind them, I don't try to take their business. However, I want people to know that I'm involved so that therefore they could they can choose for themselves what they like. You yeah. understand what yeah. I'm saying? Like 
I'm I know how to morph as a record producer. If you want me to produce country music today, I'm gonna come in the studio after studying country music, and I'm gonna be prepared to get you some country music. Mm-hmm. You want some gangster rap? I'm gonna study my gangster rap catalogs. I'm gonna study that, and I'm gonna come in there and give you some gangster music. Yeah. You want some jazz? I'm gonna get it. I and so forth and so on. So right. therefore, I say that to any up and coming producer, man, like. It's not about who you are. It's about what you really can do. Yeah. If you got value, man, you ain't got to worry about all that. Like, come on, man. Like, the hardest part at that point is just making sure you put yourself in play. Where, how do you get in play? No doubt. Yeah, I think that um, you do a good job. And, of course, we we mentioned it last week. We're going through the episode. We're talking about marketing because you... I think are great at that at marketing and branding yourself so that you're not pigeonholed or people know who you are and people know the value that you bring to the table right it's even how I got here just helping you you know with the marketing aspect so I think that you know well, that's I just important. think I think it is important man that people in today's music industry it's different you know it used to be if you were a record producer and somebody called you in to work on a job your 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 finances were negotiated everything was already up front on the table we yeah. already know that Quincy Jones is gonna we're gonna hire Quincy Jones to do Michael Jackson's next album mm-hmm. and Quincy Jones wants X amount of money to do this project right and he wants this amount of freedom and he needs this these types of um, you know resources Mm-hmm. That's not like that now. So with that being the case, you have to build your own brand to the point yeah. where like you can eventually get to the point of that. Because perhaps Hudson Mohawk just didn't have that in order. Because you might have all the accolades in the world, man. But if you don't have the right people and the right form formula to approaching a situation, you know, because if you came in the door as a fan, you got treated like one. But yeah. you came in the door knowing your value and knowing what it was that you were supposed to be entitled to. You may... Because, see, here's the thing. He went and did all of that, and it seems like he's upset now. You know what I'm happy. saying? You're not happy now. Yeah. So why not just get that shit out front, man? Because you could have saved yourself that unhappiness. But I think you probably thought that this was going to be more of a beneficial situation than not. So guess what? That's really shame on you. It's not shame on them. You understand what I'm saying? So when you walk in the door, you just got to know this may or may not work. Free game. Free game. That's good, man. I think we got some good information out, man. We, Of course, we could go deeper, you know? And we yeah. do go deeper in seminars and things of that nature. But I think right. it's a, we dropped some great nuggets to the listening audience, man. And I just, you know, I think we did good today. Yeah, man. Uh, I appreciate everybody listening, you know what I'm saying? We're yes, going to keep trying to... Uh, enlighten people and just you know kind of you know put people up on what's going on out here um leave comments man you know we could always use um, absolutely feedback and um you know if you would man please follow us um you know yes sir um and uh you know we'll keep it moving so yeah uh, and the um all the information is down in the bottom that's what i just want to say yeah Yeah, there you go (laughs) We're still working. We're still working all that out, man. This is like our second podcast, and like we're more interested in like the information right now than we are trying to get it all set up. So yeah, it get um, better and better every week. Yeah, give us some time, y'all, and uh, we just appreciate the uh, time that you are giving. So, holla, peace.